Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Dorkside Toys. At DorksideToys.com, you can get the latest Star Wars toys, as well as Marvel, G.I. Joe, The Walking Dead, and more. Run by toy fans, you can be assured your order will be given great attention and packed with care. Sign up to their social channels now for stock alerts, reviews, and toy and movie news. DorksideToys.com. You'd be a dork not to shop there. Welcome to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and convention coverage, hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other listeners, find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages, support our Podbean crowdfunding campaign, and much more. Star Wars Action News, covering the whole galaxy of Star Wars toys. Welcome to Star Wars Action News, episode 476, Arnie. Yes, it's like episode four, but then with 76 after it. I'm Arnie. And I'm Marjorie. We have some special guests coming up later on our show. We have Amy and Ryan joining us all the way from Seattle. We're also going to have Brock taking a look at the newest Star Wars novel, a discussion of all the May the 4th items, and... We hear from an old friend. But before we get started, I just want to thank everyone who's gone to our Podbean page and pledged to back this show. We are working hard every week to try to get the full video podcast coming back. We are constantly in motion, but I did some looking this week. You know, I edit all of these podcasts myself, and it's a time-consuming process. For the type of editing I do... Places online are charging $250 an episode. It is absolutely crazy, but it's a time-consuming process. I couldn't believe that it would cost us $500 a month to have somebody else edit the podcast. Obviously, I don't view that as a great use of money, but it just kind of goes to show that the people who work behind the scenes spend a lot of hours doing this, they bring a lot of talent to this, and... We're trying to compensate them. So when we ask for pledges from you, trying to crowdsource our show, it's not to buy us toys. It's not to buy us fig yarts, even though we're reviewing the Phasma a little later this show. It's not to send us to cons. It's to help the -the behind-the-scenes staff to compensate them for the great work they put in and to help hopefully bring in some new staff so we can get more video editors, audio editors, and not burn out the staff we have. And I just bring that up to show that while podcasts are by and large very much free to listen to, they're not free to make. So any support you guys can provide, we're giving some cool rewards, extra videos, box of stoof, all that. So you can find all the details at swactionnews.com forward slash support. But now let's take a look at May the 4th. Well, joining us to talk the May the 4th 
holiday announcements. We have Amy from Star Wars Collecting Cosmos. And Amy, what's your Etsy shop name? Because you make some amazing stuff. Uh, Nerdventions. Okay. I, I have one of her purses. I bought it at a cherry auction, and it's awesome. Thank you. Glad you like it. Yeah, I, I use it all the time. And then I've got Ryan joining us. Ryan is also on Collecting Cosmos with Amy and myself, and he's also on Galaxy of Toys. Hello. So basically, this is an episode of Collecting Cosmos that I'm crashing and we're putting out under the Star Wars Action News feed. Is that what I'm to understand? I, I, I believe that's what's happening. Yes, we've crashed you. Wait, wait. Arnie, didn't you say, I seem to remember when we did Ice, you said something like, we talked about doing like a show where we could talk about things we do in Cosmos. You said, fine, you could do whatever as long as I don't have to produce it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, I, well, here you are. You're you're doing it now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Your plan has worked, Ryan. <laughs> so did you guys celebrate May the 4th in any way? Kind of, I guess. I'm a teacher, and uh, we had Spirit Week at our school that, that week, and for Wednesday, May the 4th, they decided that we would make it Star Wars Day, and the kids could dress in Star Wars stuff or all white or all, all black for light side or dark side. And everybody, like, leading up was asking me what I was going to wear. And I'm like, well, we'll see, you know, whatever. I think I ended up wearing, like, my Boba Fett hoodie and a Star Wars t-shirt and some Darth Vader socks were the most outrageous I went. I kept telling people, you know, they were always asking me things all day. I said, no, Star Wars Day is May 25th. It's, it's not May the 4th. May the 4th is all cool for the sales and the specials. But May 25th has been Star Wars Day all my life. So that's when I really feel Star Wars Day happens. I, I think it's fun that we, we that people celebrate it and called it a Star Wars Day, and, and it's cool. I mean, we get some cool exclusives, and some, we got some nice announcements this year, and it's really cool to see just people celebrating Star Wars. But for me, it's like, this is, this is neat, but I always feel Star Wars Day to me was always May 25th, and you know that's kind of more of my celebration. I mean, I still watched like uh, Force Awakens again on May 4th just for fun, but uh, really, May 25th is what it is for me, but I don't have a problem with the whole May the 4th thing. Did you guys buy a lot on May the 4th? I only bought one thing. I bought the um, iBreak Toys exclusive E-Rock. It's a rocking Ewok that's a resin toy custom of a Kenner figure. Basically a drummer of a punk metal band with a pink mohawk. It's a low-gray figure. And uh, it was done by Lisa Ray Hansen. And she has, I think she still has a few of them up for sale on iBreakToys.com. So I bought one of those on May the 4th. Uh, Amy, you also did uh, some more things on May the 4th than just buy stuff, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, there was a Star Wars night at the Tacoma Rainiers uh, minor league baseball uh, team. And so me and a few people from Sarlacc went down and took in the evening outdoors. It was a fairly pleasant night and uh, we all wore our Star Wars t-shirts. And uh, I, I also did a little shopping beforehand and discovered that Target now sells Topps sticker albums and um, I went down the dark side and bought one and, and then started buying many, many, many packs of Star Wars stickers to put in the book. Are these just regular kids stickers or are they like I know there's adult coloring books. Are there adult sticker albums? I think uh, the sticker album is applicable to all ages, but it's definitely <laughs> like the ones from the 80s, you know, where you go and there'd be a number uh, with a square on it, then you okay. get the sticker with a matching number and you put the sticker in there. Uh, the only difference with this one is that it actually tells a story. And so there's whole pages devoted to different characters and it features all of the original trilogy and the force awakens, but no prequel movies at all, which I thought was interesting. You know, for, for me, as far as may the fourth deals, I, I think the only star Wars thing I bought on may 4th 
is I decided I needed a humidifier, and Amazon did a lightning deal on the Darth Vader humidifier for $45. <laughs> so I bought the Darth Vader humidifier. You don't know the moisture of the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. I, I The pictures on the box and on the website really don't do it justice. The helmet looks really good. I The eyes are glossy. It almost looks like you could see through them. You can't, but the detail on the helmet's actually really well. It'd be cooler if the mist came out through his breathing vent in the front, but it actually just comes through a little a slit in the top of his helmet. But it's actually well made and does a nice job. Um, I was impressed with it. Uh, it's it's a little more collecting Cosmos type item for me, but uh, I think it's fun and, and I'm kind of glad I got it. Does it moisten well? <laughs> it, does a, it does a good job. I've been using it when I sleep. I've been having problems with my voice a lot since I teach choir. If my voice starts going out, uh, it can cause me problems. And I've uh, been having a lot of problems with my voice lately, so I've been using it at night, and my voice has definitely gotten far better. So I would say it is moistening well, yes. <laughs> How many times can we say moist in this episode? Is <laughs> <laughs> anybody disturbed by the word moist if we yeah, say it more? Yeah. Ryan's bedroom was sultry. <laughs> <laughs> The figures were peeling off the walls. Ooh, I can just imagine Ooh. damaged cards. Ew, no. <laughs> <laughs> Soggy card back. Well, in terms of buying, I went over, I started a little early, you know, kind of like uh, Christmas. I was pre-gaming the <laughs> May the 4th sales because Legos started it on the Friday before and they had that exclusive first order Stormtrooper and the free poster. So I picked up, uh, I don't buy Legos on impulse. I buy them when there's like bonuses and things. So I picked up a number of the mini sets, the AT-AT and Bespin Carbonite Freezing Chamber set I'd been wanting for a while. That's a cool set. I really like that one. Yeah, that one was nice. That was the uh, biggest set I bought. I mostly just filled the card up with the Shadow Troopers mini set and the Resistance X-Wing fighter for 10 bucks and that kind of stuff. You know, I forgot about Lego. I did I did hit them up the Saturday ahead of time and pick up one of those first order troopers. And I bought the the Resistance B-Wing thing because they had it on sale for like 55 instead of what it was like 70 normally. So to get the exclusives as well, and that was one I wanted to pick up. I've been unfortunately buying more Lego lately, but well, uh, re- studies have shown it's a better investment than gold, so... True. <laughs> as long as you don't open them. Oh, no, I have to open them. <laughs> yeah, not that any of us actually collect for profit. We collect for fun, right. and I open all my toys, but that I see what they sell for if I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then Marjorie and I, again, started celebrating early. We had our clock set for 2 a.m. Central Time. You actually slept in. And I took care of it. No, no. Yeah. The other one, you got, you got you're up. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I slept through. I remember an alarm and me saying, oh, are we doing this? And you said, oh, it's already ordered. And I go, good, and fell back asleep. Yeah. That's my memory. Why wake you up if I don't have to? But that was all for the prototype armor Boba Fett elite figure. And we were able to secure one of those. And then I woke up at my normal time and I could have secured another. Yeah, I actually tried to order that on the morning of, and I woke up, pulled up my phone like I normally do, saw the email, went through the email, went there and put it in my cart, was ready to order it. I don't have my credit card you know, next to my bed. I keep that downstairs in my kitchen. And You mean you don't have it stored with Disney? No, apparently I don't. <laughs> uh, 
And I was like, ah, there's probably, it's May the 4th. They're making this a big deal. They're showing this on the website all day. They probably got plenty. Yeah. Last thought right there, right? And so I did my usual, got ready for everything. Finally went downstairs, eat breakfast, pulled up my card, you know, still had it in the cart, put it there, sold out. I was like, oh, shoot. So I decided, I usually go to the store anyways to pick these up. I've been fairly good at getting them at the store. And I didn't think I had to teach. No, it was a Wednesday. I didn't have to teach very late. So I was able to get out right at three, headed right to the store. And I already talked to Chris B, who's also on Galaxy Toys. He said he was there opening in the Disney store. And he said they had about 20 on the shelves, and it looked like there were more 20 than 20 people there already. So I didn't think I had much hope, but I thought I'd go in. And I, I walked in and asked, and they said, no, they were all gone. I was like, oh, geez, you know. And I, I was a little upset because they'd been advertising all day on their website, but it was already gone. And I would think if they advertised it that much, for it to be gone three quarters of the day didn't make much sense. I kind of offhandedly said to the, the cashier, I said, yeah, you make these really hard for teachers to get. And surprisingly to me, the Disney store employee basically ignored me. And I was, wasn't happy about that either. But didn't they tell you to have a magical day? Uh, no, she did not. Oh, snap. And I did not feel very magical. <laughs> but uh, somebody else, uh, Justin Seeley, was able to hook me up. He said he was able to order two. Uh, and when he gets those in, he's going to send me on one. So I, I will get it at least. At least it worked out for me. Yeah, this time it was buy one only, limit one. Normally it's limit two. Yeah. Because a lot of times I'll pick up two because I know somebody, you know, same situation as what you had. They didn't get it. And, you know, I help out people when I can. But this one is limit one. And that kind of made it hard. The other thing that I really wish I'd known about ahead of time, but it slipped under my radar. I would have had Marjorie order it by the time I woke up. Three hours later, it was sold out, was the Boba Fett limited edition figurine. Did either of you get that at 150 bucks? No, <laughs> it didn't really have an interest. Oh, I didn't pick one up either. I didn't know about it. Is that the type of thing they do for Disney Visa members or something like that? No, this was just on the DisneyStore.com. Oh, okay. Did they have any at the store when you went there? I didn't see any at the store, no. Nope. I had heard about it ahead of time, and I remember they did the Vader last year that was uh, for like Disney Visa card members, which I have a Disney Visa uh, debit card. And I remember I was picking up the Vader Elite at a mall in California in November, and they offered that Vader. It was like a $200 Vader statue thing to me. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. It's limited just Visa members. Oh, yeah. I'm like, nah, I don't need it. I mean, it was cool, but it wasn't that cool. I was like, I can leave it there. And so I was thinking the Boba Fett was pretty similar, and I was like, I could just pass on that. See, I really liked this one because it's Boba Fett on the Bespin platform, and it actually has an illuminating base. So it glows red from the bottom, and it's got his feet up. Like, it really is Boba Fett in more of a Return of the Jedi pose as he's got a gun in each hand, his cape's flowing, and he's kind of got his leg propped up on the stairs. We never really saw him that action-oriented at Bespin. But it just has this cool display. It's... Only eight and a half inches, which is a little bit smaller than I'd like for 150 bucks. But I missed out, and I am certainly not paying the going eBay prices, where the cheapest one listed right now is buy it now of $315. What? Wow. Ow. And the cheapest one that's actually sold through auction as of this recording sold for $294. Wow. So that's basically double the price. Yeah, but it was free shipping. <laughs> <laughs> Bargain. 
Well, considering how many eBay sellers will will put down the price and then charge you fifty bucks for shipping, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the other Disney item that fortunately a listener of the show was able to pick up for me was in the Disney Parks, the R5-M4 droid, which is not really a Hasbro figure, but it fits it well with the Hasbro figures, and I'm trying to collect all of those Disney figures because I think it really just fills out the astromech ranks with the Hasbro ones. And then those were available on the app a little later, so I didn't know if you guys collected those. I actually do, and I heard about it, and I was one of those, I'm like, I think I could just pick it up later, because a lot of those exclusives from last year weren't that hard to find later on for a decent price, and I guess I didn't have the right app. I have the, the Disney Store app, but I didn't have the Disney Parks app, which is, I guess, what you needed for that. Mm. I've had some friends who picked it up, though, on eBay for relatively cheap, so... I, I do have all the rest, so I will have to pick it up at some point. Apparently, there were plenty left um, just like two days ago. Oh, wow. In various spots around the park, yeah. And Amy, I know you've got an Ewok focus. Did you know that there is a Whittle Ewok plushie in the Disney parks? Yes. I heard about it that morning, actually, from Chicka Pant. And uh, I ended up talking to Tom locally, whose brother is in Florida, and he already went to the park and picked one up. Who told you Paris passed out at 31 Flavors last night? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little circuitous. <laughs> <I'm> like... <laughs> but no, I've been keeping track of it. Me and Jared Clark have been really on top of trying to get all of the plushy walks that the Disney parks have been coming out with. So, so far, I am I have them all. I was curious to see if the tag on this one would have pictures of the upcoming series because I was led to believe by someone at the park that they were going to do another series of them this year as the ones from last year did so well. But the tag so far has no images on it. So who knows? Yeah, I want to give a shout out to Abel. He picked me up the R5 droids. He also let me know about and then picked me up the Whittle. Those Ewoks are getting hard to come by. We stopped by Build-A-Bear. They were sold out of the Ewoks. I still have yet to pick one up, and I've been to several. Yeah, it's getting really old when they keep saying, oh, they're out of stock, and I really want one. <laughs> Do you know if they're available online? There's only a mini Ewok. Oh, uh, yeah, and that one's been out for a while. Apparently, they're on the website, it says that they've sold out at so many places that you can do a notification email sign-up, so... Where, okay. did you, where did you see to get the notification on the Ewok? Because I can't even pull the Ewok up on the website. If you go to the Build-A-Bear website and you type in Ewok, it'll give you two products. And yeah. then there should be a sign towards the top of the page that says, "Oh, Ewok, yeah. uh, Wicket's been so popular. And then there should be a thing there to click on to sign up for an email notification. Yeah. And then it looks like I'm not done with the Disney store yet. Disney's also teasing, and I guess... Or they said it was coming out. The theory is May 16th, which would make that, is that Monday night, right? That's Monday, yes. Monday. An Elite Series R2-D2 and a C-3PO. And C-3PO has a red arm, so he's clearly from The Force Awakens. And it will be well-labeled, so you do recognize him in the package. <laughs> it's nice to see that they're doing these, because these two were exclusive to that uh, D23 Elite Series package last year. And while 3PO didn't have the red arm in that, it's still nice to see. Do we know if these are going to be uh, limited like they did with the ones they released every other week and most recently the FET? Or are these going to be like the rest of the Force Awakens stuff and they'll be there all the time? Disney is a black box company. I have not heard. 
<laughs> okay, I wasn't sure. I'm going to be setting an alarm for 2 a.m. and just assume they're going to be hard to come by. I, I remember that when the Poe Dameron hit on December 18th, I thought, well, this this will probably be a Force Awakens one. I'm not going to worry about it. And sure enough, I was right and was able to get it for 20 bucks down the line when they had a sale rather than buy it right away. So I'm hoping maybe these will do the same, too. Now, the other thing, and this stressed me out, and it was one of those I was worried possibly because I was tired from the night before. But John Tyler Christopher, he's doing those action figure variant comic book covers. You guys familiar with those where he's painting the covers or creating art for the covers that look like vintage figures? Yeah. Through his own website, the only place you could get this, he had a Star Wars issue. It was Han Solo number one was the issue. And it was Han Solo in his Bespin outfit. And he wouldn't release numbers, but it is the single smallest production run of any of these action figure covers. Wow. Yikes. So I was like sitting at his site, refresh, refresh, refresh. And it was like the old days of Gentle Giant and Sideshow. The site was crashing. I kept having to refill out the form and go to PayPal to pay and all of this. Yeah, I didn't really need to bother as the next morning he posted 250 left. So I could have gone a few hours later after the rush was over and had no problem. (laughs) Yeah, I I did those comic covers for a little while, and I think when he did the fat one, and it was like twenty five bucks or thirty bucks to get it, and I was like, why am I spending wanting to spend thirty dollars for a comic book cover that's probably just going to be put away in a box and not be displayed? And at that point, I just stopped buying those. So I, I think they're cool, but I just decided I didn't need to get those. I do find it interesting though. The Han Bespin is on a Star Wars card though. That's true. It's not on an Empire Strikes Back card. I hadn't even paid attention to that. Yeah, I think there's another one. There's a Leia Bespin coming down the line that is uh, on a Star Wars card as well. And they released a lot of comic covers that day, though. There was a reprint of Star Wars, Darth Vader, Lando, Chewbacca, Shattered Empire, Kanan, Star Wars Classics, Star Wars Covers, Droids, and Vader Down. All issue one, all for a dollar. Then Sideshow put up for pre-order... A premium format Kylo Ren quarter scale statue. I love premium format figures. I've never spent $570 for a Star Wars premium format figure. Ouch. Uh Uh-huh. When I started collecting them, they were like $300, and I realized that was 10 years ago, but inflation has not gone up 100% in 10 years. That's for Sideshow. (laughs) (laughs) I might kick myself... If he is like this character I fall in love with as the new trilogy goes on, but based upon one movie, I don't feel the affinity to spend $600 on him. Even now, I mean, we're recording this almost two weeks later. The exclusive edition is still available for pre-order. The exclusive one, it comes with an alternate right fist and lightsaber hilt. I don't know. It just, it didn't hit me where I needed to order that. I thought about it, I hemmed, I hawed, but they had announced other stuff that I think is going to get my money instead. Like, they did put up for pre-order a little after that, the Macquarie Concept Darth Vader statue. And I haven't added it to cart yet, but I really, (laughs) really, really want to. Don't you usually get all the Macquarie things? I usually do, but I didn't get the Stormtrooper they did. How much was that one again? Four seventy-five. 
Yeah, I, I steered clear of it, but <laughs> aren't they doing, didn't they show at Celebration last year that they're going to do a Macquarie 1-6 scale Vader as well? Yeah, they're going to do one in the 1-6 scale line. I'll wait for that. Even at FlexPay, it's still pricey. Yeah, because I didn't buy either of the other ones, and it was due to price. They had the Macquarie Stormtrooper out there, which was awesome with the shield and the lightsaber, and he was only $400 and still available, limited to 750 pieces, still available. Then they came out with the Boba Fett. I love the Macquarie Stormtroopers and Vaders. The Boba Fett prototype armor, I think people love it because it's a pretty easy repaint, but to me it's bleached Boba Fett. So 425 it didn't thrill me but now they've got the macquarie darth vader up there so you could get the whole set for about fifteen hundred dollars only by grab thars haber <laughs> what a saving <laughs> the only one that's vexing me is this vader though i just because of the cover of the first star wars novel and i had that and i have a copy of it now and he comes with a blaster on his hip i don't know it's a it's a gorgeous gorgeous statue i wish they'd done a little bit more with the coloring i mean he's just kind of He's not black per se. He's more like a dark gray with some blue mixed in. But that's the only thing that I think could have popped more is maybe a more colorful base or something. It's hard to really see the color because they've got him like with some light shining on him. And they've got like one shot, it looks like, where you can see there's some blue on the base. And it's a nice, pretty like Tron blue, as I like to call it. Would the base on this light up as well? No, there's no light up features on this. Hmm. But it is big. I mean, it is almost two feet tall, all told. So it's a nice center display piece. And Ryan, I know you got a Vader focus. How do you feel about Macquarie Vader? I, I think it's cool. I looked at it. You know, I bought the Mythos Vader was that, about two years ago now. And that's probably the most expensive Vader piece I've bought. And I, it's cool, but it's just, it's probably a little more out of my price range for something to pick up at this time. So I went ahead and passed. When they, if they do the, or when they do the 1-6 scale Vader, I'll be more apt to buy that. But I decided for this one, I could pass on it. And then they also came out with, if you want to go even higher, legendary scale figures for 3PO and R2. We've talked about these on the show before. To me, it looks like a little kid trick-or-treating as th the best C-3PO armor you've ever seen come to your door. When you see them and it's, you know, 38 inches high, that's two and a half feet. I don't like walking through them at Comic-Con because they're just kind of creepy. They feel like they're staring at me. And the 3PO is 2250. The R2 is only 2000. And if I were to get one, I'd get R2 because it isn't humanoid. <laughs> I agree. You could build a full-size R2-D2 that moves around and makes noises and lights up. For not that much more than, than the cost that they're charging. And I've seen it. It looks good, but it's not R2 Builders quality good. I thought building your own costs like five. It's around five. But, you know, it really depends. It, it, mine's, mine was around five. But that's because I went with all the bells and whistles and all of the motor components and things like that. If you just wanted a static one like this... It probably wouldn't be too much more than that. And you'd get real good film quality uh, looking R2-D2 for it. And General Giant also hit on May the 4th with a Kylo Ren mini bust. It looks nice. And I used to love General Giant mini busts. But again, kind of like the premium formats, they also used to cost a lot less. $120 for a mini bust. Whoa. Yeah, that's like half a hot toy. These things started off at like 50 bucks, didn't they? 40, 50 bucks? Yeah, 35 is the first one I bought. Oh. 
And again, that was 14 years ago, and inflation has not gone up 400%. Maybe there's little flecks of diamonds in the resin, like cast in there. <laughs> it's a 1% inflation rate from 2005 to 2016. Not for Star Wars collectibles. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Even Hasbro's doubled, right? <laughs> yeah. I love General Giant sculpts. I think they have great detail, but $120, it's half of a hot toy, quite literally, because it's like cut in half. I think I'd just get the hot toy instead. And Hot Toys did tease several other items coming out, though, including a quarter-scale Kylo Ren, their first quarter-scale figure from the new trilogy. Do either of you guys get into the Hot Toys? Well, I've gotten a little bit, but not much. I do have the the six-scale Vader. That's the only Star Wars one I actually have. I have the six-scale Marty McFly and the six-scale Christopher Reeve Superman. And then I went totally nuts and bought the uh, one six scale Back to the Future DeLorean as well. After that, I was like, I don't think I need to buy any hot toys for a little while. (laughs) I'm not really tempted by the quarter scale ones, even though Andrew's Boba Fett is gorgeous. But a six scale Yoda prequel era Empire Strikes Back Yoda. I have a feeling I'll be picking that one up. First of all. Being Yoda, he's probably not going to be that expensive. And they have such great detail. I think that would be a fun one to get. And then they're doing a Han and Chewie from The Force Awakens, it looks like, because they've already done the original ones. So now's a chance to get updated older versions of those two figures. I am tempted by the Han Solo. I, w- I want to see the price on it, but I kind of like old Dan Han Solo. And I'm, I'm kind of tempted to get that uh, when they release it. They give me Endor Han Solo, I'll buy him. Okay, then the last well, big announcement, and this was teased for a while on Funko's Twitter, is they released their summer lineup of Funkos. Do you guys buy the Funkos? I do occasionally. Yeah, see, with the Star Wars ones, I, I really focus on the exclusives, because they're usually the ones that are going to be like different or something unique about them. And there's a, a handful, there's like five... Target, FYE, GameStop, Hot Topic, and Walgreens are all going to have exclusives, so there's that much at least. They're releasing 18 pops this summer. That little? That's actually shockingly low. That doesn't include all the uh, variants and exclusives. And that repaints. includes the exclusives. Oh, that that's doable. Yeah. They're even making that weird guavian with the thing on his head. The <laughs> suction cup or whatever, the hole. That's kind of creepy. I'm excited for the Endor Luke that they announced. Yeah. That one's kind of exciting. I kind of want the uh, the Force Awakens Luke. Uh, since we haven't really gotten an action figure of that, I'm kind of looking forward to that one. And Mark Hamill actually posted on Twitter a picture of himself with the old man Luke pop, and it was kind of fun. And yeah, I, I, I think I definitely want the old man Luke. I pick and choose, and I think that one, because of the beard and everything, it's just a fun figure. Well, I'm pretty sure we won't have a Hasbro figure or any other representation of Force Awakens Luke at that point yet, so... That'll probably be the first one (laughs) in figure type form. I know there's been like, uh, I think there's a sticker and trading cards and stuff like that, but that'd be the first figure. And you know, uh, Funko also announced during Emerald City Comic Con that they're dropping the Wacky Wobblers line and they're just going to be Wobblers, I think, or something like that. And there's a whole line of Force Awakens Star Wars figures that will be coming out for that. Yeah, I kind of like the style of the new Wobblers. I don't know, with both Pops and Wacky Wobblers having been out there, I don't know that I feel 
that my life is lacking for another bobbly head, but if they did the right characters, I'd probably pick some up. Or if they start putting them in our smuggler's bounty box, thus making me a completist instantly. Uh-oh. It's possible. Now that I've said it, I actually would upgrade that to likely. <laughs> <laughs> Because they put in the DC Legion box... Legion of Collectors. Yeah, they put in... What What was that vinyl Wonder Woman? It's a rock candy. Yeah. And it's actually really nice. A friend of ours is a DC fan and gets the Legion of Collectors box, and he says it's a really good figure. But perhaps the biggest piece of news to come out on May the 4th, and I was surprised. I, I expected this to be announced this year. I had heard strong insinuations of what it was going to be. But it's usually customary that on the last day of celebration, they announce the next celebration. And with Celebration Europe coming up soon in London, I thought for sure that's when we'd know about the next U.S. celebration. But no, they announced it on May the 4th that it's going to be next April, the 13th to the 16th over Easter. Are you guys planning on going? Absolutely. I rebooked my hotel room. <laughs> And I signed up uh, for volunteering at the collecting track. So um, if you're going, stop by and say hi. Ryan, you're a teacher. Are you able to make it? I, I'm going to have to miss this one. Uh, unfortunately, I only get three personal days to use during a, a year. And I'm using two of those to go to Spain in no, uh, November this year. And so it would only leave me with one day. And then when I found out it was Easter weekend, I'm very heavily involved with my church choir. And Easter weekend is when we do a lot of stuff with that. And I just kind of looked at it. I would only have three days to spend there. It's all the way across country. So I'd be using up a lot of time of those three days just traveling alone. It's just, it's not worth it. It's going to be the first celebration I've missed in a while. I'll be making it a celebration Europe this summer, but I will not be able to make it to celebration Orlando next year. You know, I'm hearing from a lot of people that they're not able to make it because it's Easter weekend. And I, part of me kind of wonders if that may have been a poor choice given that, because a lot of people are like, I just can't do it. And my thought was exactly the opposite. Oh, that's really smart. Easter weekend. The kids are already off of school for Good Friday, so it's a lot easier. Oh, there's not too many schools that are out for Good Friday, are there? No, I, I, I no. don't. Public schools are... Are they? No, public schools aren't, no. I've never gone to school on Good Friday, and I went to public school my whole life. And they always Friday. arranged Easter break to be over Good Friday. Yeah, our, we have our spring break. It's about, I think it's a, a week earlier that, uh, than than they're doing that. It's, And I know around here, the districts, they pick different spring breaks uh, every year. So I think we usually go at the first full week of April uh, every year for spring break. So it, it just didn't work for me at all. Now, that's a bummer, man. Yeah. I was looking forward to seeing you there. I was a little bummed when I when I heard about it, and like at first I was like, ah, it's okay. I've, I've been to a lot of conventions. I I can miss one, and then I start seeing people talking about it. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna miss this one. <laughs> well, I think there's gonna be a lot of people not going, so you're not gonna be alone. And, and again, people with children, it falls in the school year, and depending when spring break falls. You know that didn't really hurt attendance at the last celebration. I'm just but gonna put it out there. People complained. Yeah, people always complain. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I will say this. I would much rather go to Orlando in April than Orlando in August. So That's true. Here, here. And we're doing back-to-back -back again because C2E2 is the weekend after it. Oh, fun. Oh, boy. Yeah. I, I get that this year with uh, Star Wars Celebration Europe and then San Diego Comic-Cons. <laughs> uh, 
It's not fun having done Europe and San Diego back to back like that. I am fortunate that I'm not working at that time, so I can come home and rest for a few days before I'm down. Well, we actually got an email, voicemail, from Mirko, one of our listeners, who at the last U.S. celebration picked up one of the VIP packages, you know, the Jedi Knight and Jedi Master packages they have. And he wanted to share with our listeners his tips on what the advantages are as the tickets are going on sale very soon and you may be trying to decide which kind of ticket you want to get. Here's Mirko to share his thoughts on why he went with the more expensive option. Hello, Star Wars Action News listeners. This is Skookum Trooper from Vancouver, Canada. I just wanted to report on my Celebration Anaheim VIP experience for those considering it in the future. With Episode 7 coming, this was going to be the biggest and most important celebration. The way I decided to make the most of it was to purchase a VIP pass. The Jedi Master and Jedi Knight passes cost $450 and $900 respectively. That sounds like a lot of money, and it is. But by purchasing the VIP pass, I figured I could bypass all the lines and make the most of my time. In the course of this discussion, we'll find out how things played out. Of course, the first step is just to get the pass, and I was asked about this frequently. A lot of people complained about their browsers not refreshing fast enough, or their browsers froze up, or their purchases didn't go through. All that I can say is that first of all, I was very lucky. Secondly, I wanted to make sure that I didn't have those kinds of problems. I work in a motion picture studio that fortunately has a T1 line and fast computers. That morning, I got in early before work and had two computers ready to go side by side. I figured this would give me the best chance of getting the pass, and I was right. So flash forward the day before the convention, I arrived at the registration desk. When they handed me my pass, I was surprised and delighted to see the Yoda artwork. And the pass came with a regular lanyard, and then later I got a VIP lanyard. Unfortunately, both lanyards came with an alligator clip that, when depressed, would pop right off. So in no way did I feel safe with that, and I took to using my Star Wars keychain lanyard that came with a metal loop. Later that evening, the VIPs lined up outside the VIP lounge to get their premiums. There was no distinction between Jedi Knights and Jedi Masters, and the line was very long considering there were 300 VIPs in total. So a couple of hours later, I was finally able to pick up my premiums. Those premiums included a variant portrait orientation official show poster, a program guide, a VIP-only Yak Face pin, a 1 of 50 exclusive Jedi Master Yoda VIP t-shirt, 10% off Celebration Store discount coupon, an express autograph line pass, a private meet and greet with Star Wars celebrities, and a 1 of 50 original Star Wars art print. More on some of those things later. So then I went down to the Celebration Store preview. By the time I got there, the VIP line had moved downstairs into the checkout lanes. In addition to this, apparently merchants and exhibitors were also allowed in. A couple of collectors were even purchasing one of every item. Now, we were all provided with an order form the weekend before the convention. If you knew what you were going to purchase, you would simply have to fill out the form, and those items would be delivered to the VIP lounge. In my case, I really wanted to examine the merchandise before I purchased it, so I passed on filling out the form. Honestly, I don't think anyone else filled it out either because I didn't see anyone picking up their purchases upstairs that night. But seriously, if you intend on purchasing one or two of every item, fill out the form and save us all the time, okay? So the next day, before the convention, I was able to get into the exhibitor hall early to take a look around. 
Most of the stalls weren't even open yet. At that point, I could have easily purchased every exclusive there was. After checking out the convention floor, I went back up to the VIP lounge. That's where all the VIPs were supposed to meet to be led down to our seats for the opening panel. This was the only time the Jedi Masters and Jedi Knights were placed in two separate lines. The Jedi Masters were led down to the hall first, with the Jedi Knights following behind. As we waited to enter the hall, we joked that the people who had waited in line got pizza, and all we got was a good night's sleep. Then Bob Iger and J.J. Abrams walked by just several feet away from us. Yeah, this was better than pizza. Then the doors opened, and I made my way to my seat. Third row. Center. Right behind Steve Sansweet and a couple of rows in front of Dave Filoni. And then after the panel, I walked straight back onto the convention floor, which hadn't opened yet. And who did I run into? None other than Disney CEO Bob Iger as he was doing a TV interview. And I actually got to shake his hand afterwards. How about that? And from then on, whenever there was a panel happening at the celebration stage, I would just flash my badge and walk right by three-hour-long lineups. I never had a seat worse than fourth row center. The Jedi Knights and Masters were all thrown in together after that, but it wasn't a big deal. The one thing that did bother me was how they arranged the VIP seating afterwards. They reserved only center left and left wing seats. Because of this, people with basic passes could get seats center right down front fairly easily. And the VIPs mostly ignored the left wing because who doesn't want a center seat, right? And then for the digital stage, it was the same thing. Three hour long lineup, boom. I go straight to the front. Force Awakens exhibit room, five hour long lineup, capped, boom, right inside. Celebration store, three hour lineup, not for me, right inside, straight to the till. Autograph hall, three hour lineup for Carrie Fisher, boom, right in there. And let me tell you, the people I was passing were none too pleased. Some grim looks on faces there. The only other room that had huge lineups was the collector's stage. At first they told me I had to line up with everyone else, but I think by the second day something had changed, and they let me in ahead of the line. Unfortunately, because of my tight schedule, I could never stay in there till the end of the panel to get a star taught. On the second day, VIP access to the show floor changed. They made a VIP line in the queue hall in front of the regular pass holders. So once the VIPs were let in, they let the standard pass holders in right after. That negated our early entry as the pass holders could easily catch up with you. However, I was still able to get quick access to battle pods and battlefront. Then there were the special meet and greets. These were only for the Jedi Masters and they were held in a special lounge next to the VIP lounge. These meetings were catered. Yes, they fed us. This actually saved me a bunch of money on meals. Between the Jedi Master catering, continental breakfasts, and the catered parties I attended, I think I only had to purchase a couple of meals during the entire convention. So who did we get to meet during these sessions? On Thursday, it was Dave Filoni, executive producer, Star Wars Rebels. We each received a 1 of 50 art print signed by Filoni. The print depicted a mature Ahsoka Tano and old Captain Rex after the Clone Wars riding giant wolves on a desert planet. That day we had wraps. On Friday, it was Doug Chang, Vice President and Executive Creative Director of Lucasfilm. I got there late and most of the food was gone. As I recall, there were some mini tacos or something and a bunch of nachos and dip. Saturday was Dennis Murin, Creative Director of Industrial Light and Magic. Unfortunately, I missed this completely, but I stopped by the room afterwards to fill up on nachos again. Anyway, Sunday was the last meet and greet with Orly Shashan and Amy Allen. 
Not really two of my favorite Star Wars actors, but I went anyway. By this time I figured, why not ask for their autographs? Everyone else was. Now I'm not really an autograph collector, and I think it's kind of crass to be asking these people for an autograph when they're trying to sell them downstairs. But what the heck, I got them to sign my celebration poster, and I gave it to Arnie as a gift. Thanks for your work in the collector's lounge, big guy. It was great meeting you. And so, as Celebration was winding down, I still had a bunch of autograph fast passes left. I didn't want it to go to waste, and then a thought occurred to me. I could hit up some of the larger lines and ask people if I could go to the front and get their autograph signed for them. That way, I could just meet some of the stars for free. So that's what I did. I got to meet Ray Park and Ashley Eckstein, and help a couple of people get out of some of the longer lineups in the process. Unfortunately, they were the only signers left, and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher had been moved into the auto hall, but I wish I had thought of that earlier. And then I finished up my Sunday night writing Star Tours at Disney. So in summary, would I recommend spending the money on Celebration VIP tickets? Nah, you don't need that. Save your money. Save the VIP tickets for me! Just kidding. Listen, seriously. VIP tickets are the best way to go if you can get them. All of the problems with lineups and getting exclusives are eliminated with these passes. If you want to make the most of your time and not waste it standing in lines, then you should get a VIP ticket. I hope Disney isn't listening, but honestly, I would have paid a lot more. And considering how fast these tickets sell out, in the future you will be. In closing, I just wanted to say that I've been to toy shows and comic cons, Maybe you look around and you find some Star Wars stuff. Maybe there's a Star Wars guest or two, or you find some people who share your same interest. There aren't many Star Wars people where I'm from. So when you come into an event that's nothing but Star Wars, it's like a dream come true. You could find every Star Wars everything in the world there at Celebration. I always wanted to see a vintage yak face, and there it was, mint on card. One booth was wall-to-wall -wall vintage carded. I had to tell the vendor that he had a very dangerous booth, because if I stay there a second longer, I'd be mortgaging my home. And of course, it was amazing to just be in a place where everybody shares your love of Star Wars. And I have to say, in my entire time at Celebration, I didn't smell the constink once. Congratulations to Star Wars fans for being the best smelling fans in all of fandom. Now, I won't be at the next Celebration in England, but until we meet again, may the Force be with you. Thank you, Mirko. Some really interesting information there. And now one last thing while we have Ryan and Amy on the line is we wanted to take a look at another figure arts figure. Two shows ago, Marjorie and I fell in love with the figure arts Stormtrooper. Yes, they're so well made. And I promised I wasn't going to go out and buy them all, and I haven't. I'm still missing one or two. I don't know how you're resisting that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I may have gotten two battle droids, another stormtrooper for troop building, the Phasma, the Darth Maul, the Jedi Luke, the Darth Vader with the exclusive base. So you've gone that far down the rabbit hole, but you're not going to get those last two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got the Obi-Wan Kenobi so we could fight the battle droids and the Darth Maul. <laughs> and the Shadow Trooper, but it's all about moderation for me, so I figure I'm going to meet this out. And Ryan, I know you picked up a couple of these. Yeah, when they started announcing some of these Japanese six-inch series, I kind of hemmed and hawed about it, but I went ahead and ordered, I think the Revolt Tech was the first one I ordered, because it looked different and interesting. 
I got that. It was okay. But as each one was pre-ordered, I would pre-order. And I got all the, I think there was Revolt Tech and uh, Bendai Figure Arts. And I know there's another one I'm forgetting and Tamashi Nations. And I liked the figure arts a lot. The, the, the base that it came with, I was lucky enough. I pre-ordered it well ahead of time. I'd actually forgotten it came with that, that really cool Death Star 2 base. And when it showed up, it was in this huge box, and I opened that up. I was really surprised by it. I liked it. So when they put up the uh, the pre-orders for the Phasma, before the movie came out, I kind of liked Phasma. To begin with, I was thinking about collecting kind of focused Kylo Ren for the other things beyond the action figures. And I just decided I really didn't want to go down the path of Kylo Ren, and I liked Phasma. The Chrome Stormtrooper really hit me well, and I decided to do Phasma, and you know, it was only a pre-order was only like 50 bucks, I think. It looked really shiny. My, my big thing is I want a Chrome Phasma. And, you know, Kenner or Hasbro wasn't going to give that to us. Uh, Funko did. But uh, this looked chromed and it's not just so people know. But so I went ahead and ordered it and kind of forgot about it, really. And when, when it showed up in its package, I opened it up and I was disappointed to begin with because it wasn't chrome. But I, it's a really cool figure. Now, Amy, before we get into this specific figure, do you pick up any of the figure arts? I have not yet, but I have been tempted. Um, I I don't know if they're ever going to venture forth into like non-armor type figures, or or have they really? I haven't been paying too much attention. They've made two Luke Skywalkers, A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. They made uh, Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan. Those are just off the top of my head. Okay. That Jedi looks really cool, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I might have to reinvestigate and uh, lay some money down for those because that is tempting. They're totally worth it. Yeah. Gotta do that what you looked do. cool just because of the hair. It had that extra hair or whatever it looks like when he's actually on the sail barge with it kind of flying up in the wind. Do they come with alternate heads? Some do, yes. Wow. The, the Darth Maul did. Captain Phasma, of course, did not. <laughs> no removable helmet for her, no. I was reading some reviews on the Captain Phasma, and it sounds like there's some issue with the hands. They keep popping off when you try and pose them. No, I've got it, and I'm moving our hands, and... Works pretty good. Yeah, they're not no, popping off. I've had a problem. Any figure I've had, be it Hot Toys, Sideshow, Figuarts, even certain Hasbro ones that have the removable hands, always you run a risk, especially when you're trying to put the gun in the hands, that the hand's going to come off at the wrist. It's just... They're meant to come off. They're meant to not need too much force. So you're not ripping it off at the elbow or going all wookie on it. So every so often I had that with the stormtrooper. I'd be posing it. The hand pops off. But these aren't intended for, you know, play. You're not standing there like I was as a kid and going bang, bang, and then throwing it across the room like it got shot off the table. So I'm not it's never been a bother to me. I mean, hands come off Hasbro figures when you put the weapons in their hands sometimes, too. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, you mentioned the Phasma's not chrome. And, of course, I'm a big proponent of Phasma always being chrome. I just got my shipping notice that I got the Kotobukiya Artifacts Plus Phasma on the way. Ah, uh, yes. And I, I know that one's going to be vac metalized, so I'm really anxious to get that one in my hands and judge it personally. But... We reviewed on a previous show the 6-inch Black Series Phasma, and really, she's just gray. Yeah. This one 
I definitely say it's a silver paint. It reflects light to the point that you don't just see a bright spot. You actually can see the light bulbs in it. And it's highly reflective. Is it chrome? Absolutely not. It is not a mirror. But it is an infinite level of magnitude better than what Hasbro did. Yeah, it actually looks metal, I would say. It's not like super shiny chrome metal, but it looks metal. Yeah, kind of like a burnished silver a little bit. And if I put my finger like in front of her chest, I can see a reflection of my finger. It's like a bad mirror, like one that's aged badly and gotten foggy. Yeah, I really like the paint that it did on this because I think it's leaps and bounds above what Hasbro did as far as paint because she is just like gunmetal gray. Oh, definitely. And I guess I was kind of disappointed when I picked her up. And I don't know why. I had nothing to base this on, but I thought her cape would be fabric. But it's that hard plastic. Yeah, very much like a Hasbro figure. It's it's not hard plastic. It's malleable plastic. It's got bend to it, but it's there so that it keeps its shape, keeps its flowing, going with it. I don't have a problem with it being plastic. What I'm amazed by is that it doesn't pull her over backwards. She still has an amazing sense of balance with that cape. Oh, definitely. I, I was actually surprised when I first opened it up and picked it up at how lightweight it is. It just seemed like it should have been heavier. And it, this is lighter than a Black Series uh, figure by far. Yeah, it definitely is. And each time I pick one of these up, I'm thinking it's going to be heavier, and it's not. Maybe I equate dollars with weight. Oh, most people do. That's why General Giant and Sideshow intentionally just add heft to the base, is because when people buy a $300 item, they don't want it to feel lightweight. Makes sense. But for me, I don't think so much of the heft as I do the posability, the rigidity of the joints. Can I put it in a pose? Is the knee going to be like all loose when I try to bend it or is it going to stick? And on the sample I have here, the joint rigidity is perfect. I can get it to pose in any way and keep that pose it's not so tight that I have to force anything. It's not so loose that I feel it's going to slip out. And I'm talking every point of articulation I have on here. And again, there's like 40 or more points of articulation going on with this Phasma. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. The the It, it holds its joints and it's so poseable. I, you could stick the gun so it fits in both hands. You guys described in a previous show that the uh, the figure arts have a much more human look to them. Like, it actually looks like a, a human in costume rather than sometimes the Hasbro looks more like a toy. And this has that, that human quality, but so very poseable. I'm, I'm so impressed with it. I also noticed with this, and maybe it's just me because I'm a girl, and Phasma's a girl in the movie, they actually gave her a chest that is more pronounced than the Stormtrooper. Did they? It hmm. looks like it. Is it just the paint? I guess yeah. slightly. They did. Yeah, I guess it's, slightly. I mean, they're still mushed down under there. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be comfortable <laughs> if you're wearing that outfit. But they did kind of make it a little bulkier there in a little different shape than the First Order Stormtrooper. They acknowledged her femininity. I'm thinking she's wearing a sports bra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, about the only real complaint I had on it is there's a, a shoulder uh, that you have to put on. It doesn't come with that one on. And you, in order to put that on, you have to pop off her head and take off the cape to put it on. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And, I, I, you know, it took me a while to get that piece of shoulder armor in. I didn't want to break it. I was worried about that. 
and it didn't snap in right away. It took a while. But if you put the figure with the head on without the cape, she's got a really long neck and it does not look right. I was able to get that shoulder armor on just by turning the cape to the side. I didn't want to pop her head off. Oh, I just went right for the head, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) See, I like to work my way up to that, so... (laughs) You know what's weird is because the little shoulder piece isn't on, I can see clearly that it has two points of articulation just for the shoulder piece. And it like comes out and it's almost like a RoboCop hinge coming off of her arm. Huh. And then it could also bend up further from that. I was trying to figure out why they did that. It seems so weird. It's so that this can move around and not hinder the articulation and the posability. Okay. You want to move her arm up, then this has to not limit it. That's honestly... You know, I'm not. This is not a bash Hasbro thing. I want to just come out and say I love Hasbro's Black Series figures. They're the best figures Hasbro's ever made. As far, maybe not as terms of depth of line, but as far as posability, quality, by and large, paint not 100. percent But this is twice as much of a cost, so you expect it to be better. But with the Hasbro figures, a lot of times. I run into it where they have a piece of armor or something that restricts articulation. We talk about that a lot in reviews with Jedi with their cloaks. You can't move their arms up more than 45 degrees. By adding these two points of articulation here, you can move that arm anywhere and just the shoulder piece keeps moving around to still look good. I didn't consider that. I I see that now, really moving her arms around. Yeah, that is nice. Okay. No complaint on the shoulder armor then. (laughs) But if we're going to talk about complaints, I do have one, and it's apparently, we talked about this before the show started, it's apparently just me, and I don't know how neurotic I'm going to get about it. Oh, you're going to be really neurotic about it, I know you. When you get them, you know how when you get a lot of these figures, they have the, like, even the Kotobukiya has them, you get these little pieces of plastic that are semi-adhesive that go in certain places to avoid paint rubbing. And there was a big piece of plastic that was on her back, separating her back from the cape to prevent any paint damage. Well, I pulled that off very gently. It's not very sticky, but sure enough, it took paint with it. It's like it was put on when the paint wasn't fully dry. And it's on the plastic. Yeah. Wow. And so I have matching this on the plastic on Phasma's back. I have a couple spots of paint blemish now. And it's under the cape. It's on her back. I'm never going to take her cape off and pose her. Like you said, she's got the long neck and everything. But under that cape on the back, I'll know there's a couple paint blemishes there. Yeah, I didn't have that on mine. I, I know the little deals you're talking about. They were all over her, too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I had a couple. Yeah, the, I had no problem with the paint on mine. She looks fantastic. Honestly, you're never going to see it. You're not going to remove her cape. You can feel more defects than you can see on there. Running my finger across her back, you can feel a little bit of rough spot, and I only see one little notch. We'll see. I bought this from a retailer, not on eBay, so we'll see. I had pre-ordered her. But the posability is astounding, and... You know what else I really liked is I got out my first order Stormtrooper again and I did some comparison. She is a little bit taller than the Stormtrooper. She has much longer legs than the Stormtrooper. So totally different pieces. There's so much similarity in sculpt. I really had to go through piece by piece and start seeing if anything was the same. But the shin armor is totally new sculpt. 
The legs are just longer than that on the Stormtrooper. The chest plate is a bit more curved than it was on the First Order Stormtrooper. The helmet has grooves in it. It feels like everything here is new. Maybe not the knee pads, but and maybe not the belt, but the vast majority of this figure is all new sculpts, not just reusing the parts. That's good to hear. I, I like that they're especially, I mean, these aren't terribly expensive figures at $50, but it's still a little bit more of a premium than, say, Hasbro, that they're going to take the time and, and make it a new sculpt on these. Yeah, and she comes with one blaster, that big rifle. She has a total of six hands, so you can do fist pose, pointing, open hand, and a couple of trigger fingers. So, Ryan, how deep in on this line is this going to keep you going? Well, I mean, Vader is the one thing I always I try to collect of almost anything, and so that was a, a given, and, you know, I, I went back and forth on this one, and I was really impressed. And I'll admit, after I got this one, I went on to Amazon, and I was looking at the rest of the figure arts, and it was tempting <laughs> to buy more of those, and I've kept myself away. I Part of me wishes that Hasbro would do this. I, I hate to say it. I know that people would hate this, but Hasbro do a line like this at $50 or $60 a figure with this high a quality in the stores rather than the Black Series. But at the same time, how well is that going to sell for a major retailer like Hasbro? But I, I don't know. It's going to be a back and forth. It depends on who they released. I was very tempted by that Jedi Luke, even when it was pre-ordered. I looked at it for a while and decided not to do it. I, I think I'm going to stick to the two I have, and it'll be, you know, what comes up, I'll, I'll make a decision as, they, as they're released. And Amy, are you going to go out and find yourself a Luke or two? Well, I'll definitely look into the Luke, but, you know, if they release something else like a Endor Leia or an Endor Han or <laughs> Ewoks, then I'll probably be all in and just go back and collect all of the Endor stuff. All right. Well, Amy and Ryan, thank you for joining us. It's been great to have you guys on and to talk May the 4th and to talk Phasma with you. And we look forward to seeing you in San Diego, if not before. Definitely. Thanks for for having me. I really enjoyed being on. Thanks for having me on as well. And see you guys in San Diego. Now, one other thing went up for pre-order this week. Gentle Giant put up the Stormtrooper Classic Mini Bust. It is a Premier Guild exclusive, and per their Facebook, limited to just 300 pieces. That's like the lowest edition size we've had in a while for these, isn't it? Well, this is the Classics Mini Bust. Where are his arms? Well, that's the thing. It's the classic mini bust. Meaning, remember we started this last year? GameStop had the exclusive classic mini bust, and it was Darth Vader looking like a chess piece. Yeah. Well, they're continuing that line, and we weren't sure if they were all going to be GameStop exclusives or not. But here, this was the Premier Guild exclusive. And despite only having 300 pieces, it's still in stock about a week or so later. Kind of surprised by that, but I think that after the Mini Best World Tour that we had a number of years ago, that that soured a lot of people on these. And also, he has no arms. Well, also, you have to be in the Premier Guild to buy True. this. And I don't know how many Premier Guild members they have, but then it's not the Mini Bust that they've done before. This isn't a continuation of that Mini Bust line. This is a new Mini Bust line. And it's $80, which is less than, as we were discussing, the price of the regular minibus. But at $80, I didn't even order the Shadow Stormtrooper version of this. And you know how much I love me some Shadow Stormtroopers. You do. 
I guess arms are expensive, though. Is that maybe the price difference? I think material is expensive and sculpting is expensive. And well, all. notice this is on a stick also. It's not like the base where it goes to the mid chest. It does look like a chest piece, though. And also new this week over at Dorkside Toys, you can get a number of new Funko Pop t-shirts. You want BB-8 giving you the thumbs up? You want Boba Fett standing there and looking cute? How about Ray, Finn, and BB-8 on the run? It's all the new line of Funko Pop tees. Dorkside Toys has a ton of these up for pre-order. They're coming out in June, just in time for con season. Plus, they have Marvel shirts, Deadpool shirts, DC Comics shirts, including a Harley Quinn and a classic Batman and Robin, all over at Dorkside Toys. And also there, you can pre-order the Medicom Mafex Captain Phasma, and she looks even shinier, and I think she's vac-metalized from the photos, so it is quite probably an upgrade from the Phasma we reviewed just a few minutes ago. Hmm. Pre-order added to carts. <laughs> I love me some Chrome Phasma. And speaking of purchases, we got an old school voicemail this week from our old friend Scott from Tulsa talking about some toys he bought while on the road. Hey everybody, it's Scott from Tulsa and I'm going old school today. Driving back from Oklahoma City home to Tulsa and I hit a few targets in the city and by gosh, those stupid Droid 3-packs that came out for the DVD release are sitting on all my Target shelves down in Oklahoma City. But, of course, the one Target I tried in Tulsa was sold out. So they are still popping up here and there. Also, a lot of new 3 and 3 quarter inch figures on the pegs, which nobody is buying, but it is great to see full pegs. But 6 inches, God, I'm up to my ears in 6 inches. Well, everybody should be because there's Captain Phasms, Captain Phasms, and uh, Kylo Ren's everywhere, as well as that Flame Trooper, which nobody seems to give love to. So pick one up for Toys for Tots somewhere down the road. Oh yeah, and a constable, the poor, poor, dumb bastard constable, swinging from the pegs like crazy. I hope everyone's doing good and finding everything they need. We'll talk to y'all later. Good hunting. Thank you, Scott. Great to hear from you. We're going to be hearing more from Scott in the future. But to close off this week, we have another old friend joining us, Brock, our book club liaison, and he is here reviewing the newest Star Wars novel, Bloodline. This is Brock, Star Wars Action News book club liaison, with a spoiler-free as possible review of Star Wars Bloodline by Claudia Gray, review copy courtesy of Delray Books. Just like in our world, the New Republic's Galactic Senate has two strong political parties, the Populists and the Centrists, that are so steeped and mired in bipartisan actions that the Galactic Senate of the New Republic has become ineffective. Princess Senator Leia Organa, hearing the appeal of Representative of Ryloth regarding the rise of organized crime once again on his planet, welcomes the opportunity to investigate, to ideally stir the fire, to make a difference again before she retires from public life to spend more time with her family. The centrists, not about to let a populist get an upper hand, 
sends young idealistic Ransom Calsterfo with Leia, and they set off to Ryloth with a small team and, of course, find more than they had both bargained for. Yet Leia's plans to walk away from the political life are severely challenged when she becomes the populist nominee for first senator, the reinstatement of a strong leadership position in the Galactic Senate since the fall of Emperor Palpatine. Leia feels she has no choice but to put off retirement and accept the nomination. Such is the basic plot of Star Wars Bloodline. If the title sounds familiar, that is because some of you have already read a book called Star Wars Bloodlines, plural, which was book two of the now Legends continuity Legacy of the Force series written by Karen Travis. I assure you this Bloodline is a very different book. This Star Wars Bloodline is an essential bridge novel in the new canon that tells us the story of the discovery of the First Order and circumstances that led to the creation of the Resistance and Princess Leia's part in it. Author Claudia Gray quickly became a Star Wars reader fan favorite with last year's Star Wars young adult novel Lost Stars. And here she shows she is quite adept at presenting characters and situations geared toward an older audience. This is a Star Wars book without Jedi, without the Force, and all about galactic politics. The plot allows for Miss Grey to explore political ideology, the strengths there and the weaknesses, and she does it without seeming to tip her hand on what her own personal political feelings are, but rather she takes the time to present the idealistic viewpoints of both political parties, the merits of the points of view of both sides, and demonstrating how, if the partisan politics and personal agendas were not part of the political process, what could actually be accomplished with such diversity. But by the end of the book, that all flies out the window when the worst-case scenario is about to come true, the beginning of the fall of the New Republic. The theme of ancestry, of one's bloodline and its effects on the characters, starts right away in the first chapter as it revolves around the dedication of a statue of Bail Organa on the Senate homeworld of Hosean Prime, which, if you remember in The Force Awakens, is the planet that was destroyed by Starkiller Base. And this theme of ancestry of bloodline permeates through each main character of the book, not just Princess Leia. Centrist Senator Lady Carice values what royal bloodlines provide. The stature and the titles and that artifice she identifies with is in her core. But where Princess Leia, who also has that royal bloodline, doesn't let that influence or change her actions, but she accepts all of the parts that created her. She identifies more with the Organa, not her actual Skywalker bloodline, and knows she is like her birth mother, Padme Amidala. The juxtaposition of Lady Carice and Princess Leia of these two characters in the book is a key to their relationship to exploring these themes and comes big into play during the climax of the book. And Lady Carice is so vacuous and so cunning, I can see a strong actress really sink her teeth into that role if she ever gets to make it into a Star Wars movie or TV show. And to read the more down-to-earth and quick-tempered Leia play against that gets to be a lot of fun. The other main character I mentioned earlier, Ransom Castrofo, puts on the appearance of wealth as much as possible for political reasons, but he comes from dirt-poor, enslaved people, witnessing Darth Vader's evil personally, that he is fueled by this past. His sense of what is right, more than what may be fair, drives his actions. I greatly enjoy the complex character Miss Grey created with Ransom Castrofo. The author likably writes Princess Leia as a seasoned, tired, weary, and restless soul who knows what she needs and sadly is never able to get it. Leia is desperate for a little excitement, and when she gets it, she enjoys it all too much, knowing the realities will come crashing down eventually. We often feel sorry for Leia. 
she comes across sad much of the time, and we enjoy when she is able to find happiness in little moments with her staff, reveling and finding a new clue, playing sabak like her husband in a casino, or in a few scenes with Han where they clearly show they are still very much in love with each other, though their very different lives are keeping them apart for great stretches of time. At the time the novel takes place, about six years before The Force Awakens, Han and Leia are not yet separated and Ben has not yet turned to the dark side. And there's that moment where Han and Leia share a heartfelt and heart-wrenching goodbye. It is beautifully written, especially since we, the audience, know where these two are going to end up around the time of The Force Awakens. Oh, um, uh, uh spoiler alert for The Force Awakens. Miss Gray takes the time to set up emotional stakes for each of the main characters, something we rarely see for so many characters, especially new characters, in one book. She succeeds in giving us layered and complex characters that act and interact like real people. We feel both sides of the characters' interactions. We understand both points of view. We can empathize with most of the characters' actions, even if we fundamentally disagree with them and the choices they are making. The resolutions of the character arcs for Leia, Castafo, Rin Rivian, and Lady Carice are strong, fitting, poignant, sad, and well-earned. And I'll leave it there for you to discover on your own, because these character arcs are the gem of this book. The action beats, while sparse, provide a nice break from all the political jockeying in the espionage chapters, and Miss Gray does show how adept she can be at presenting lively action scenarios. One action scene in particular that stands out is some fancy flying by the unfortunately named young New Republic pilot Joff Seastriker. The name does sound a lot like Luke Skywalker, and he pretty much fills in the Luke Skywalker and New Hope function of asking a lot of questions the readers need answers to. Moving on. Star Wars Bloodline has terrific characterizations that jump off the page. Strong, thought-provoking political commentary. And zero suspense in a plot that could and should have it. It's a strong idea for a plot, no question about it. And the beats for the investigation storyline telegraphs where it's going and who is behind it all really early. And the first Senator Galactic Senate storyline is completely undermined by the book's title and the book's cover, creating a cloud that casts too large a shadow over those plot elements for the reader to ever get fully invested. You can tell the seeds are here for a compelling read, but I kept getting the feeling the author was tied up by the editing or the demands from the Star Wars story group. And I may not be completely wrong. Turns out Ryan Johnson, the director of Episode 8, did have a hand in some plot points in this book. In particular, the strong bipartisan politics in the New Republic, and what is known as the napkin bombing. When you read the book, that'll make sense. So we'll see how including all of this here will come into play as the sequel trilogy plays out. Like most Star Wars books in this new canon, and like many in the old Legends continuity, this book is peppered with references to the original trilogy. But clearly, those references are popular with fans, and this has become my get-off-my-lawn complaint of Star Wars EU, but that comes from reading Star Wars novels for over 25 years now. My last big peeve I have with the book is that while we all know how often video evidence can surface online nowadays and made public with accessible technology, the book relies on multiple extremely convenient recordings to help move the plot along, and that poked me the wrong way. One I completely agree with, why it exists and how it is used is a crux to this book, but why is there a video recording that exists of Princess Leia choking Jabba the Hutt? So there's like, what, a black box installed on the cell barge? And I, I guess a surviving Nikto guard happened to locate it in the sands of Tatooine? I don't know. 
Despite my issues with the book, Star Wars Bloodline has made me a Claudia Gray fan. Her characterizations kept the book buoyant for me. I am happy to say the novel ends strongly for each of the characters, each arc completed in a satisfying way. Star Wars Bloodline wasn't the page-turner I had hoped for, as I was too ahead of the plot for far too long, yet honestly, the plot beats flow together. The character motivations and behavior all fall into line, and most importantly, make sense in the context of what is needed to be told here. The whole of Star Wars Bloodline is greater than the sum of its parts, and I think many of you out there may enjoy this ride a little bit more than I did. Check it out for yourself when you have a chance. And come to the Star Wars Action News forums and let me know what you thought about it. For Star Wars Action News and the Star Wars Action News Book Club, this is Brock. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie. Thank you, Brock. That's our show for this week. We'll have more reviews coming up at our next show, and make sure to follow us on Twitter and follow us on Facebook for the latest news and reviews. May the pegs be stocked and the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find pictures of the toys reviewed, chat with other Star Wars collectors, and find hundreds of Star Wars Action News episodes at our website, SWActionNews.com. This podcast is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. We rely on listener support to keep the show going. You can pledge to our Podbean fundraising campaign by going to SWActionNews.com support. Backers get rewards including exclusive video content, early show releases, and more. You can also help out our show by telling your friends to listen by posting on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or in person. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at SWActionNews.com. We want your feedback on Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. The links to our social media sites are at SWActionNews.com. You can also send us your latest store reports, figure reviews, and more. Email us an MP3 or iPhone voice memo at show at SWActionNews.com. All content received is subject for use on the show. If you also enjoy Marvel Comics, you can hear Arnie and Marjorie talk about the toys and statues based on Marvel Comics characters on the Marvelicious Toys podcast at MarveliciousToys.com. Star Wars Action News is always looking for new people to help with the show. You can find a list of skills we need on our blog at VenganzaMedia.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Video editing by Barrett, Andrew, and Daryl. Website design by Jason. Graphic design by Jay. Photo editing by Scott and Curtis. Announcements by Brock. Segments created by Andrew, Brock, Daryl, Jerry, Jonathan, Nathan, and Steve. For more Star Wars collecting, check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. 
and we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. All rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. We get the Legion of Collectors box now, too. We do? We do. Yeah. Just- oh! <laughs> Arnie, what's DC stand for? Um, direct Comics? No. You don't know what DC stands for. It stands for Divorce Court. <laughs> That's what I keep telling them.